You're listening to a social justice podcast hosted by Nicholas Sperling, brought to you by The Flag Shop, and inspired by a social justice coloring book. Hello and welcome to a social justice podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Sperling, and today I'm joined by Alex Braverman and Amy Bell. I know Amy from my time on CBC's The Early Edition, where I spent uh, some mornings as a political pundit. Uh, Amy, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, we know each other from the show, we follow each other on social media. Uh, I'm the traffic and weather reporter for The Early Edition, and then I do a parenting column. For radio and for the web as well. Yeah, and the parenting column is exactly why I thought of you for this podcast. <laughs> exactly, yes, and I have a boy and a girl, so uh, definitely an issue I'm very invested in. Fantastic. And Alex is actually my boss's daughter, and we've had a number of conversations about yeah. sexism in the past. Would you like to introduce yourself? So my name is Alex, and I do not work for CBC. But I have had lots of conversations with you just about um, about this topic, and my generation had a lot to do with the, um, it was the slut-shaming era, so I'm excited to talk about that. Fantastic. Yeah. Or not fantastic, but... Well, <laughs> we'll see how this for, conversation goes. It's made for a great conversation today. Yes, so. exactly. Perfect for this yeah. conversation. Mm-hmm. This is a very large topic, and I want to be able to provide a bit of an explanation about what sexism is, how it affects us all. And with that in mind, I wanted to start this conversation with some statistics from the World Economic Forum and from the UN. Women are 47% more likely to suffer severe injuries in car crashes because safety features are designed for men. At the current rate of progress, it will take 105 years to reach gender parity. Only six countries in the world give women equal rights to men in the workplace. Those countries are Belgium, Denmark, France, Latvia, Luxembourg, and Sweden. For every woman in film, there are 2.24 men. Women hold just 28% of managerial positions worldwide, and that percentage hasn't shifted since 1995. One third of women have experienced intimate partner violence, and 18% have experienced it within the last year. And at least 200 women that are living today have experienced genital mutilation. So with those fun statistics, let's begin this conversation with some questions. The first question, and I do this with every podcast, and it's a very difficult one to answer, um, but it's what is the topic? So what is sexism and how widespread is it in today's society? I mean, I think it's incredibly widespread. Yeah. Um, it's insidious in so many aspects. Like you were saying, like you don't think about your yeah. safety when you get behind the wheel of the car. You assume that it's safe, not thinking that it was not designed for you, mm-hmm. that, that, it's, that it's already designed with somebody else in mind. So for me, the sexism is just um, it's that continual standard um, that women are upheld to, that men aren't. Mm-hmm. And, and it's those small steps and advantages that men um, take for granted that women never get afforded, Um, you know, whether it's at work, whether it's feeling safe um, when they're walking alone. And then as a mother of like a a daughter and son, um, just to see the way they're treated differently um, already uh, have been since birth, it's quite um, saddening Mm -hmm. just to realize that it, you know, it hasn't gotten tremendously better. And like you said, it would take you know, more than 100 years for us to reach gender parity to know that that's not going to happen in 
my lifetime or my children's yeah. lifetime is is shocking. Mm-hmm. So, or at least if we don't do anything to exactly make it, inc- make it make it better at a faster rate, make a big difference. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's um it's depressing. Yeah. Really, it is. It is. It's just so prevalent in all of our society. Yeah. Especially like when you see commercials for vehicles too. How many commercials say made for you, designed for you? Like these vehicles are designed for you, but are they though? They're not because they're mainly, they are if you're a man or you have, you know, a certain manly body type, but it's really not designed for everyone. It's just designed for like every man, Mm -hmm. mostly. So when we say sexism, are we talking about discrimination based on sex or are we talking about discrimination based on gender since the two of them typically are sort of used interchangeably? Yeah. So I guess it's, um, you know, it would be uh, somebody that lives their life as a woman and that society, I guess, views as a woman would be the people that I feel are, are experiencing uh, the most sexism. Um, and, it, you know, and that's such an interesting because it's a it's a, another layer that's been mm-hmm. added almost to the whole issue, um, which I think is great um, that we're we're having these discussions based on you know there is a difference between sex and gender. So I think it, it you know it has it has changed that definition just because there are more people I think um, living a, a truer life for themselves and so they may live um, you know differently than how they were born. Um, so yeah, I, I, I guess, you know, there's a lot of that internal sexism that some people might feel based on how they present or how they truly feel. Mm-hmm. But I do, I think in this day and age, it, it, it still has a lot to do with those who, um, present as female and, and choose mm-hmm. to live their life that way. Mm-hmm. And I think there's probably always going to be some overlap when it comes to things like reproductive rights mm-hmm. and, um, you may have someone that identifies as a woman, uh, but is not necessarily going to be accessing all of the same healthcare needs as uh, a cisgender woman, for exactly. instance. So um, there's definitely overlap. But I think what you're saying about how you're perceived by the world is probably sort of the biggest factor I in all of that, because a lot of sexism relates to how you're being perceived. Yeah, yeah very much so. Mm-hmm. For sure. Because, you know, like a lot of a lot of me and my friends, we all say like women should be supporting women. And that's like it's empowering, but it's also kind of sad at the same time that it has to be women supporting women and not people supporting people. Because there has to be this like added thing for like for women to say like, hey, like we get dogged on so much by guys that we should be uplifting, you know, and guys don't see that. It becomes this like female responsibility to take care of each other because they just don't want the responsibility of changing. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting way of looking at it as well, Uh, because I don't think that there is that sort of um, community feel among men that there is among women, because there's not that sense that you have to band together in order to combat the bias. Like Mm -hmm. it's go, go do it, women. Like you take care of each other. Like, I don't want to, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like us men don't have to take care of each other. You women take care of each other. You know, it's a little degrading, but I mean, I'm all for supporting women. I just yeah. wish people could be supporting people. And know? it's out of necessity sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's out of a need for safety or to, mm-hmm. you know, accomplish things that yeah. men can do on their own. Yeah. So I, I just don't think they have that mindset no. of, of needing yeah. um, that kind of support. Yeah. It's even like if I'm going on like social media or like marketplace, I'm, you know, if I'm selling something, I try to avoid buying and selling things from, from men in particular, just because like, there's this like intimidation and they don't even really understand 
like their approach either. Like they, they, I gravitate more towards like buying or selling things from a woman because I'm not going to feel this pressure or this like force to do things a certain way. And if you, if I've, if I've explained to any of them, like where I'm coming from, it's like, Oh, you're a bitch, you're a whore, you're this and that, like you're, you know, you're all this stuff. And it's like, I don't want to have to always just like pick and choose based off of gender who I'm going to sell and buy things from, but that's the only way that I feel comfortable at this point. Well, I guess there's so much talk about when you're buying and selling things from people, make sure that you're in a safe place, a public yeah. space, things like that. And I would imagine that advice primarily applies to women buying things from men. You don't yeah. want to wind up in a situation yeah, where exactly. you're... You them at your home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I like, and I have had, like I had, this is my first time ever selling something on Marketplace too. I had two, like I'm at this point, this point, like I wasn't even 29 yet at this point. And I had two kids come that these males come that were like 17 or 18 and they forced the phone out of my hand. It took off like to the point where it's like, I get very uncomfortable. It's not even like, I just get uncomfortable when I'm, you know, doing exchanges with primarily with men, but it's not even like the exchange, but it's more like the conversation because it's, you're going to do this and I'm going to do this and no, I'm going to pay you this. And what's your address? I'm coming there over. Like, is this available? Yes, it is. What's your address? I'm coming there right now. I'm buying today. It's like this. So they're telling you instead of asking. Yeah. They're telling instead of asking, you know, and to the point with like certain, certain guys just make them go away. I'm like, okay, I'm going to need 50% down up front. And they're like, Oh, you're a scammer. You're this, you're probably not even a woman. And I, you know, I've even sent them videos saying, hi, I am a female. Like, you know, like I, this is real. This is not fake, but it's just, it's their approach that just makes me so uncomfortable. And then to be called, like to be called out for being insincere or, you know, just, just because I feel uncomfortable because they won't like, it's not registering with them that this is my item that I am selling. It's about both of us. It's not just about you. Yeah. Mm. Right, that sort of equality yeah. piece. Yeah. You want to be treated equally. And I think men too, they're, they're taught their entire lives to take control of a situation yeah. and, you know, have the man up. man up. And, it, you know, in, in terms of talking about them not feeling that need for community, um, you know, it's it's sad in a sense. Mm-hmm. They've, they've sort of been taught to always, yeah, go solo and, mm-hmm. and be the one in charge and yeah. not need anybody and not ask questions. Yeah. So, you know, it's... It's just as a disadvantage to them. Mm-hmm. Like the sexism is terrible for women, but I also think ultimately it's mm-hmm. it's terrible for men yeah. too. Mm-hmm. It takes it's, a lot away from them. It, totally. Like I was with one of my. I was with the other day. I was with one of my friends, Sean, and he's. I asked him. He hasn't had a girlfriend in a while. I asked him. I was like, "Well, what? Are, like, have you tried doing? You know, these like dating sites?" And he's like, "It's embarrassing that I am in my late twenties, living at home, and I don't drive." But would that be embarrassing if you were a woman? Probably not. No. No. So it's like, it is, there's like this, there's this pressure for them. Like even the expression, like man up, you know, it's like, it's saying like man up, be a man, don't be a woman, you know, mm-hmm. don't, don't, don't be a little wimp, you know? I mean, I guess I have a unique perspective on that. You do. <laughs> we should be interviewing you. I know. But from both sides, what's your opinion? It's, it's very true though, because there was that sort of pressure that I felt prior to transitioning that I had to know everything that I was doing and I wasn't allowed to show any kind of weakness mm-hmm. or anything like that. And, and the pressure is sort of off now. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have that pressure. So as much as there are many negative things uh, 
that affect women that relate to sexism, mm -hmm. there are also negative things that affect men. Yeah. And so I don't think it's just about making life better for women when we address yeah. the issue of sexism. It's about making life better for everyone. Everyone, yeah, yeah. like the equality, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is true. And, you know, I was thinking, um, because you said you actually get, like, a dual perspective. I feel like, and I, this is me not speaking from any experience at all, just, for, I guess, from, like, outside looking in, I feel like it's almost more like I've had... Like I've had friends who have transitioned, you know, from female to men and it's a lot more accept. They feel a lot more accepted transitioning from female to men than, than the other people I know that have gone the other way. I've, I've absolutely heard that as yeah. well. And I think it's that idea that, um, people can understand why you would want to be a man yeah. because men are better, Yeah. but people can't understand why you would want to be a woman. Yeah. And it's not about wanting, obviously, no. like it's just it's about just, who you are, you are. Yeah. but and in a lot of people's minds, that, that's yeah. how they view it. Yeah. Right. They're like, why would you ever want to be a woman? Well, I mean, yeah. Why would you like, that's the thing. Like nobody, I think mm -hmm. consciously make that choice mm -hmm. because it comes with so many dangers and inherent, you know, unfairness, yeah. but as you said, it's not a choice. That's, it's not. That's no. who you are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, yeah, people have a hard time imagining, like, why you would want to do that. Why yeah. would you want to face sexism and, mm -hmm. you know, make less money and, and be in danger on the mm -hmm. streets? Like, it, it, it yeah. doesn't make sense to most people. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest argument in favor of, you know, trans people being who they are. Like, why would you want to do exactly. that if what that wasn't is. who you were? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, th I think it does give uh, people an interesting perspective when they've lived life sort of be being perceived one way versus the other. And, and um, maybe that'll come up again throughout this conversation. <laughs> um, I did want to get into sort of who is most affected by sexism. And we've kind of touched on that. Women are more affected than men, I think, yeah. by sexism, but both are affected. Mm -hmm. Are there other groups that you feel are more affected by sexism? Like if you're part of a... Um, you know, some other minority, are you going to experience the effects of sexism more so? Or, or the, is that just sort of a separate issue that kind of piles on to the sexism issue? No. I think, I think maybe like depending on like, like certain cultures, right? You know, I remember being, I was in high school and we watched this video and it was this video about photography and it was a woman in India and it's just about how like girls grow up knowing that when they grow up, they're going to sell themselves for sex. It's just what they do. Their husbands are allowed, they're going to do an arranged marriage. The husbands are allowed to beat them. They're allowed to sell them for sex. And that's just how it's going to be. So, I mean, obviously that's not like that here. So I think culturally there's probably in different areas, there's a huge difference, you know, of like who's affected by it based off of just whatever the culture is. Right. Yeah. I guess culture does play a yeah. huge role in, yeah. in sex. And I mean, like, I'm, I'm well aware that, um, you know, simply by being a white woman, I have far more opportunities than, uh, you know, a, a black woman yeah. or a woman of color. Mm -hmm. um, so there is, there's, there's many levels. And I think, um, you know, I wasn't raised with any sort of religion. So yeah. there was none of that sort of um, pressure to be, you know, somehow a servant to your husband or, or to place men um, higher above myself. I do. I think mm -hmm. uh, depending on, you know, sure, like different um, areas of the world, women face more sexism. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's something all women have to be aware of, that it's not just um, a woman issue. There's there's many levels yeah. to it. And I, I mean, every time we do one of these episodes, 
it always comes down to a conversation around the intersections of all of the different issues, yeah. mm -hmm. right? Yeah. There's all of these different issues that are coming together and sometimes it can be really difficult to differentiate between them. Yeah. You know, am I being treated poorly because of my gender or am I being treated poorly because of my skin color mm -hmm. or is it a combination of both? Yeah. Is my yeah. age factoring into this? There's so many different factors. Um, do you find that you're able to pinpoint when you are experiencing sexism or is there always that question like is is this something else at play here? Mm. I say, well, from personal experience, especially, you know, um, I guess sometimes recently, but more, a lot more when I was, you know, probably in my earlier 20s, it would be the kind of thing where it's like, if I had a boyfriend and I hooked up with somebody else, I'm that whore who cheated on her boyfriend. But if I was a girl that was single and hooked up with a guy that had a girlfriend, I'm that whore that hooked up with another guy's girlfriend. So you just Wait, get the blame regardless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, no matter what, even, you know, even with, with my, with my ex-boyfriend who I cared so, so much about, you know, I saw him somewhere, he had a girlfriend at the time. We both had like a lot of alcohol and did things that we probably shouldn't because, you know, he, we were not together anymore and he was in another, another relationship and so many mutual friends that we had found out about it after I was uninvited to everything because, Oh, Alex, you shouldn't, I don't want to say his name, but you should have known how about like, you know, how Stan is like you, like you should know this. Like what you did was wrong for like a year. I, my actual friends, boyfriends would not let me come to these social things because my ex's girlfriend was pissed off about it. And so therefore my ex was like, I don't want her around. So even though you weren't the one that was being unfaithful in that situation, yeah. you were the one that got the blame for yeah, it. Yeah, because I, because he's a guy, it's expected. Guys are players, guys do these things, guys get drunk and like mess around. But as a woman, we should be smart enough to know that and not do the same thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And it pisses me off. <laughs> not going to lie to you. Like even, even in certain situations now, which will, a little, little bit later, I'll go to detail on those. But it pisses me off. It does. It's hard. It is hard to know. And I find, like, as I get older, too, I'm 46. I'm not, not that desirable yeah. age. I'm, you know, I'm... And so I do, like, especially in, in a, perhaps, like, in a, you know, career-wise, like, I'll have to think, like, is this... Am I getting treated this way because I'm a woman? Am I getting treated this way because I'm... You know, aging. Yeah, you don't always seasoned. Seasoned. <laughs> yeah, I was watching a video recently, actually, where they talked about how age is sort of a currency, and oh, yeah. you lose it over time, yeah. and you so you stop having the same opportunities that you used to have when you were younger because you're no longer considered desirable or attractive. Yeah. But men don't really see that to the same extent. No, they're, you know, considered a silver fox or, you mm. know, everybody thinks George Clooney's, you know. Well, he is. <laughs> He's not held to the same standard no. that I think, say, you know, Julia Roberts. I was, was, I was just thinking, I had Ocean's 12 in my head. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, Julia Roberts. So and I think, you know, for women, there's, there's so many, you know, you know, you're either, you're too young Mm -hmm. um, so you're not to be trusted or you don't know what you want. And then you're in your childbearing years. So, you know, you don't get afforded certain things because you might just run off and have a child at any given moment. Mm -hmm. So why invest in that? And then, yes, you, finally, you maybe have a little window where yeah. you're like, you know, golden, but then you age out of it. 35, you're maybe. Not, you know, you're not, <laughs> not there yet, but like, you know, you know, you kind of become this, this old crone. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's, 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 I don't think men have. Their, no, their child. 
bearing, or not bearing, but, you know, their parenting age is never factored into an advancement or a promotion, but Mm -hmm. it is for women. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever seen an article where it, you know, it's a picture of some guy on the beach who's a famous (laughs) actor and they're going... Wow, they really let themselves go, oh, right? Yeah, and, you know, don't see. It's like look at cellulite, Britney and Spears, and like her stomach. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. um, I don't really read the tabloid magazines, but it's always it is. It's always it's always a woman that's like you. The tabloid catches them like walking out of a grocery store, and they just happen to look really bad that day, mm-hmm. or they get photoshopped and even into looking a lot worse. Well, I mean, I think about Billie Eilish and the fact that she yeah. wears these really baggy clothes, or at least used to, because yeah. any time she didn't, people would be commenting on her body. Yeah. Like, there's one picture of her where she was wearing a tank top, yeah. and suddenly it was like open season to comment about a minor's body. Yeah. It's just so it's weird. Disgusting, yeah. And I see that in my daughter. She's, um, she'll be 16, so she's in grade 11. Um, you know, and I do, I see that you know, that hiding in hoodies, mm-hmm. part of its style and, and, and comfort, but there, there is, you can, you can see it in them. There's certain times where they're just, hoods up, hoodies, tight yeah. up, you know, they don't want to be known for what is, in, you know, is mm-hmm. underneath that. Hoodie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and that's their choice. Mm-hmm. And you have to respect that, but it is, it's sad. It's true. A minor, yeah. you know, will have to think about that when they go out. Mm-hmm. I used to always say, like, I bet people would like me if I was thin. Not maybe, like, I bet people would like me if I was nice, <laughs> but people would like me if I was I was thinner. And that's one of the... I know that we're going... It's more going into, like, a, like the, bo- the body image one, but that's when I started wearing almost everything I wear is, like, crop now because it's, like, this is my body. I'm, you know, this is my body. I love it regardless of if it's 500 pounds or if it's, you know, 100 pounds. I'm going to, like, I'm going to own the skin. And that... Took, yeah, I would not have thought of that when I was 16, for sure. I think that started coming in more when I was, I think me getting to my like heaviest weight was when I said, okay, like, I think owning this is what's going to help, you know, feel confident enough to like want to love myself into changing it, you know? So that's why like, very rare that you'll ever see me like not wearing things that are short because mm-hmm. I don't want that to define me. I don't want my, I don't want my age, gender, body, nothing to define me. I want to be defined by the, my person. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of people that, like, especially like from, um, there's not a lot of women that will judge that, that with men that same way. But there, I feel like there's more men that care about what you look like than there is women that care about what men look like. From personally speaking, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think also- they, they're more embarrassed by it. It's like, oh no, can't like, oh look, her girlfriend has one eyebrow, or you know, she's really bad skin, or oh, like I can see her love handles, so my friends can't see that. Where the guy has one eyebrow and is overweight and has really bad skin, but comes in and he's really funny. All of the girls are just going to be like, oh my God, he's so funny. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's partly why you can't really separate that body image no. issue aspect that's from true. sexism. Yeah. Because women are treated very differently than men when when it comes to our yeah. bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I always wonder if my, dad's, if my dad would treat me differently if I was a guy. Because it's always no pressure on my brother, like my stepbrother. He's, well, we never have conversations about him, but, you know, I see my dad and it's, oh, you put on weight or, oh, like you lost your job or this. He so fixates on all of these things. Is it, is it like, you know, if, if I start dating somebody who doesn't drive, my dad thinks he's a loser. It's like, is that, is that because, it's because you, those are your views on things or it's because you, that's your views on what your daughter should have and 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's one of those aspects I don't have an answer to as a trans person because I like, I don't know if my parents would have treated me differently either yeah. if I'd no, you know, grown up differently. You don't. And, and I, you know, you always hope that you're treating your children equally mm-hmm. and fairly. Yeah. Um, will I give my son the same lecture about, you know, being alone at night that I'll give my daughter? No. No. Um, you know, will I question if his... Answer too tight when he goes out? No. Probably not. Are, are they the same age or no. who's older? She's older. Okay. So she's 16 and he's 12. Okay. So when he's 16, is he going to have the same curfew? Exactly. Like, yeah. You know. None of my guy friends ever had curfews. You don't ever think that you will do yeah. that, but it is different. I have different concerns for mm-hmm. her than I will have for him. Yeah. And it's it must be really tricky because you're, on one hand, recognizing that you have to treat them differently as a yeah. necessity because society treats yeah, exactly. men and women differently. It, no matter how equally I want to treat them, yeah. once they leave the house, that that doesn't factor it's in true, yeah. anymore. Um, I, yeah. you know, I can't say that every man she encounters will have been raised by somebody who yeah. teaches them to respect women. Yeah. To, you know, if, his, if his clothes are too tight, it's he going to you know, risk coming home, exactly. being assaulted or yeah. something, you know. So, yeah. yeah. Actually, you never, you never know. Like there could be some, well, there could be, yeah. there could be some people that might look at him and think that he's a little flamboyant, and then you know, exactly. <laughs> there's just there's always different yeah. concerns. Like mm-hmm. true equality, it, it can't really happen right now mm-hmm. because you do have to recognize the differences. Yeah. In, it's sad. Yeah. Well, when you think about that flamboyant aspect, yeah. why is it that men get treated poorly when they're flamboyant? Is it because they're acting feminine? I yeah. think that's exactly it. They're, they're women. They, to, I, for some men, I think if a man likes another man, that's fem- that, that's a woman. Women like men. It, it's so, shameful yeah. to act like yes. a woman. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, and, and, you know, it's derogatory. Like, you'll, you know, men will say, oh, don't be a little bitch yeah. to don't another be, guy. Be a little girl. Mm-hmm. You're being girly girl. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And it's, it's strange. Like, and it's, my son's in that age, you know, he's 12, so he's in grade seven. So there's, things are changing. Like mm-hmm. Hormones are starting to come into play. And, Fun. You know. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be there an are, exciting time for him, though. So exciting. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Puberty is great. <laughs> this said no one ever. <laughs> But I don't have kids. Like for me, I want to skip. Like to, for me now, not having children, I just want to like. I would if I could just you know like give like put them in like a time capsule and like speed up until they're in high school and then get them back. I'm good at that part. Like I'm good at the high school part. Oh, they were only gone for like five minutes. <laughs> there's there, it's all like there's so many interesting stages, but it is like. Um, you know, sort of seeing them mature a bit, but like my son and his friends are very, um, they've always been like, sort of like my husband and I, or, you know, other parents, you know, sort of joke, we're like, oh, these are little boys that have been kissed and hugged a lot mm-hmm. because they're all very, um, physical with each other yeah. still. They're, they are very open to, you know, hug each other and, you know, when they sit and watch a movie together, like they'll, you know, have their head on each other's shoulder. Like they're just, there's an intimacy um, to them that I don't remember boys having when mm-hmm. I grew up. So it's nice to see that that at mm-hmm. least is changing. Yeah. But at the same time, it makes me sad because I worry that as they get older and, and, and go into high school, like, is that behavior still going to be accepted? And, mm-hmm. you know, will that sort of be, you know, taught out of them and that yeah. they will 
not feel as, as comfortable being affectionate with, you know, their friends, girl or boy. It's, yeah, it's, mm -hmm. I'm hoping that that won't be the case. Yeah. Um, I think I'm lying to myself if I say that mm -hmm. won't be the case and that is sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that's it's, how they communicate still. And that's how I think humans naturally communicate. Mm -hmm. um, but for some reason that is taught out of boys still. So it's it's that toxic masculinity. It totally right? is. It mm -hmm. is. It's that it's not allowed because it's early. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I don't know why that's such a bad thing. I think mm -hmm. Being girly is awesome, but yeah. you know it's mm -hmm. not. It's not seen as a power. Yeah, it's it's not seen as a benefit. So my uh, my friend has a two year old son, and he loves his nails painted yes. red. Mm. And she goes get her nails done, takes them, and he gets his nails painted. And yeah. she, you know, and she says like, "I love this. You know, this is something that I like to do as a girl that I get to share with my son. Yeah. And he's too young to know. Like, he's too young to be, you know, scolded by it or made fun of because he's only two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and so. I mean, he has another 10 years till he's 12, <laughs> like praying that maybe, like, I don't know. I think well, there, like, there are changes. Though. Yeah. Like, there, there's there's some huge progress still, that, that has been you know, made. Just, yeah. My son's dyed his hair purple and, 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 you know, there's a lot of kids questioning, you know, gender identity, mm -hmm. even at his age. So yeah. I think there are changes. There, mm -hmm. there is yeah. greater acceptance. And we also have those protections now in the um, Canadian Human Rights Act yeah. and the Criminal Code for gender identity and also gender expression. Yeah. And I think back to when I was uh, probably been almost a decade ago now, but before my transition, I had long hair. I used to paint my nails um, and I used to get my boss giving me, you know, these talking to's for doing that. You know, you're not representing the business properly. Mm. And that wouldn't fly these days. You oh, can't no. get away with that. No. Um, but that also brings me to a question because our Canadian Human Rights Act is intended to protect people from mm -hmm. discrimination based off of, like I said, gender identity and gender expression and also sex. Mm -hmm. So why is it that those types of protections don't just end sexism? I think it's just so deeply ingrained yeah. in society and has been for so long. Like I, I look at like my son uh, up until about two years ago now, a year, he had shoulder length hair and my dad, who, you know, is your typical 74 year old white male who always grew up very privileged. He, he accepted it to a certain degree, but couldn't help himself, but, but make these comments yeah. and honestly couldn't grasp why a boy would want to have his yeah. hair that long. Yeah. doesn't matter what human rights our past, mm -hmm. he's still going to feel that way and, and still feel mm -hmm. uh, empowered enough to make comments about yeah. it. So I, right. I think it, it, it's, it's so it's, long. It's so, yeah, it goes so deep. And things like that are so, I think they're such like superficial things that it's like, sure, yeah, cool. Like, oh, they want to do that? By all means, doesn't affect me. Go and do it. But it's like, like it really, it's like, if you look at like a tree, I feel like that's like, that's one branch. Right. It goes down and down and down and down and then you can cut the branch off, but it's never really going to grow back. You know, like it goes down like so far in the ground that there's like these deep roots that it's like, it's just something that like, it's almost like you would have to literally cut the whole tree and replant it and like rebuild, like rebuild everything from like the ground up where sexism is. It's not, it's not like it doesn't exist. Right. You know, but, it's like, just going to get keep, it's just going to keep growing. Yeah. 
it's like you can switch to another branch and to another branch, another branch, and you can, you know, trim it for a bit. Maybe you can, maybe it'll grow some flowers, like it changes, but like, it's still going to be connected to mm-hmm. like the root. Yeah. And I guess to your point as well, uh, if you have a situation where, um, you know, your father's making comments about your child's long hair, that's not, you know, getting to the level of a human rights complaint no. or anything like that. So why would the, you know, the Human Rights Act have any impact exactly. on that? It's, it's those, those small little, um, I guess, sort of microaggressions that are deeply ingrained in a lot of people. Um, and I think it's just, it takes time. My, it's such a brutal way to say it, but, you know, that generation that, that sort of really holds these ideas you know, they eventually will pass on. Mm-hmm. And you would hope that, you know, I don't have the same mm-hmm. feelings as my father. So, yeah. you know, as, as the different generations keep coming up, they'll, they'll pass on, you hope, sort of these, mm-hmm. these more equal and open-minded ideas to their children and, and to the society around them. But it takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And so we have come far, mm-hmm. you know, you imagine having a unisex bathroom at your school when you were growing up? No, I would have loved that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like that, things like that would just, you couldn't even think of that happening even, you know. Well, in in college, you know, they had, had, you know, unisex bathrooms Mm -hmm. to take showers together. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think that there's that level of pushback that you get when yeah. you try yeah. to make changes like that. And so there's a lot of work that goes into making sure that you're not slipping backwards exactly. as well. Yeah. You don't, you know, try to push for something and then get blowback mm-hmm. for it and then fall backwards. It's sort of that so two step forward, one step say, back. Situation. Yeah, it totally is. And mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of the dance you have to, to mm-hmm. do. Um, because, yeah, for whatever reason, the human race is incredibly stubborn. Like, if you do anything too quick, we mm-hmm. like, no, can't mm-hmm. have that. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to Sneak it, sneak it past yeah. slowly, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, to, to have a very extreme example, I think about World War II and the, and the Nazis in Germany, mm-hmm. how they targeted queer folks, for instance. And not long before that, it wasn't actually that big of a deal to be queer in Germany, from yeah. what I understand. And, you know, things then devolved, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, yeah. I don't think we can just assume that we're on an upwards no. trajectory. There'll always be mm-hmm. sort of a a backslide at times. Yeah. But you have to just keep pushing. That's yeah. the thing. You can't, um, you always have to be, I guess, on guard. You may think that you're done with an issue, yeah. but it will come up again and mm. you just have to keep saying, oh, but yeah. well, not doing that anymore. And, yeah. yeah. And that's one thing that I actually noticed just like with my personal experience, like lately is, you know, with everything that happened with, you know, that situation with my ex-boyfriend in the past and me being basically like shunned from, any social thing that was going to be like a guy girl thing. Like even girlfriends of guys, like girls I was friends with, if they had a boyfriend, they all of a sudden I was like, can't trust this person. Right. This was, I was 23. Like this is like six years ago. And I, this is in Richmond, moved out of Richmond into Vancouver last year. And one of my friends introduced me to her brother and I became friends with a lot of her brother's friends. And I started like, seeing somebody in that group and while while we were seeing each other everything was good in that sense he had one of his friends who 
had done a lot, like a lot of just things that I don't think were very smart decisions. Like, you know, he would think there was three different guys, girlfriends in that group that he would, you know, hit on, be sneaky with, you know, text one of them, say, oh, I know you always like me. They had to put them in their place. You know, another one would like hit on these girls and their boyfriends were there, right? He got a pass. He could, like, he's still, he's still such good friends in that group. He's like still considered one of like one of the main component friends in that group. Meanwhile, I had a conversation like maybe a couple conversations while I was single, not even in a relationship with this guy, single that he deemed to be inappropriate. And yesterday, I have not seen him. I've talked to him one time in eight months. Yesterday, I reached out to him to see how he was doing. And he said, lose my number. You filthy. See you next Tuesday. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Meanwhile, his friend that he gives the benefit of the doubt to on four different occasions has been inappropriate with other guys, girlfriends in the group. Nothing. Like maybe he gets like a don't do this or like boys will be boys. Boys boys will be freaking boys. And it pisses me off because it's like this is somebody that I one really cared about. Two, like I maybe can be like maybe my friendly can be like can can come off as like inappropriate. It's not like it's never my intent to. I just I'm so used to being around guys, you know? And you know, and with with, with like with my with my with my you know my mom she can be really friendly that can and her commentary can come off like really flirty and it's not not an intention but like I get called the filthy see you next Tuesday instead of saying hey Alex this is a little inappropriate meanwhile there's a guy who's physically being inappropriate and nothing happens to him mm-hmm. and I just like I'm so glad this happened yesterday because I was really excited to bring it up today. I was like, this is, yeah. <laughs> this is silver lining. Yeah, That's silver nice. lining. It gets called out, but no, I'm just the, kidding. The virgin whore sort of yeah. dichotomy is that women are still expected to be sort of these chaste, yeah. um, you know, innocent um, beings. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, be down for it whenever a man wants it. it yeah. It's, it's still a, a very classy on the streets, freak in the sheets, yes. basically. <laughs> like they, yeah. Yeah. And, and actually one of the questions I had here was why is it that men are praised as players when they see, sleep with a lot of women, but women are called skanks, whores and sluts for participating in the same behavior. Well, that's just it. Unless a man is sleeping with Ooh. another man, there was a, yeah. a woman there at the exact same time. It might not even be the same behavior either. It could just be something that they like, they don't like they're jealous of. They're like, their pride gets hit because their girlfriend is, or a girl that they care about is having a conversation with a guy that they don't like. Suddenly they're a whore and skank, but then they can turn around and go and have sex with somebody else. Right? Mm, it's it's like, a double standard. It's such a freaking double standard. I hate you men. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love, I love, I love, I love, I love you men as equally as women. <laughs> so you said as their intro for the podcast. <laughs> What time is it? How long did it get before we made that statement? <laughs> I'll, up to it. I'll message you when I'm editing this. <laughs> let you know. <laughs> it's so moving though. I mean, and that's that's always been the case. Mm-hmm. And it, it, that, you know, I think maybe, I don't know, maybe there's a little bit more um, acceptance of, of women, you know, having their own sexual agency mm-hmm. and, and not having to um, be in a relationship and, yeah. and have sex purely for pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um I think that is is changing. Yeah, um, a bit. Poly, polyamory is becoming like a. It is, and, and people are, thing are being both, a bit on both more, sides. Yeah, you know, open and and sort of seeing to like um, you know 
from the teenagers I know being in a relationship like mm-hmm. isn't the end all be all. They they don't feel the need to necessarily, you know, couple up and That's true, yeah. and and be a little bit more open to experimentation. Yeah. So that does give me hope. Yeah. But it is yeah. it is true. As as long as they're if, if they're gonna experiment or, you know, and be polyamorous or kind of like go about that. Make sure that the people you are pursuing are also like that because you're going to, you're going to get to a point where it's like, you're going to pursue something that you, like you guys can both go into it saying, this is a hundred percent casual, no expectations, nothing. And then one person can catch more feelings or you guys can both catch feelings. And then suddenly it's, we're not in a relationship, but you can't do this. You can't do that. Like, Oh, you're being so slutty. You're this, like you're you know, so it's make sure that it's like having that open line of communication where it's like if you're going to have that fluidity, both mm-hmm. are having oh, that yeah. fluidity. It yeah, be, yeah. I don't know. Maybe our, our men just so fragile that they can't handle their egos. Yeah, you know, a woman they've been with being with somebody else. No, but you know, they want to think of themselves being with a lot of yeah, someone else's. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. There's that double standard again. It is. Yeah. My my ex boyfriend when we had like because I had a very experimental youth I'd say and when I got with my first relationship he had had he maybe slept with like four or five people I had slept a lot more than that and I would overhear him talk about it with his friends and he'd be like oh yeah my girlfriend was such a slut and you know this and that and it's like oh oh I'm sure you would love it though if I'd had sex with only four people and you had had sex with 14 Mm -hmm. yeah it seems like we've talked about sexism a lot from the lens of men and women and maybe heterosexual relationships Mm -hmm. but I'm wondering how sexism affects someone who's non-binary for instance it's kind of a hard one for any of us to talk about because none of us are are non-binary but it does kind of I think provide a unique perspective on sexism like if you can't tell what gender someone is how are you treating them or how are they being treated by society I mean, like, uh, you know, in a perfect world, you'd be like, perfect. Like, mm-hmm. I foiled, I foiled the system. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, you would think you'd be in that sweet spot of like nobody being able to discriminate um, towards you. But I think, you know, what I've perhaps seen in a limited way is it almost seems to be um, they're sort of relegated to this no man's land, like mm-hmm. where it's almost like seen as an affront that they don't present a firm gender mm-hmm. that, that you can't put them in a little box yeah. that that you're used yeah. to doing right and or, i think the interesting yeah. thing is it's a totally meaningless box but because we treat people differently based on their gender and or society as a whole mm-hmm. treats people differently based on their gender yeah. when you are confronted with someone who doesn't fit into those two categories of how you are conditioned to treat people you don't know what to do anymore. Yeah, your little brain is just blown. Like yeah. you don't know what to do because that is how we've all been conditioned to to sort of check off the boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you can't do that, I think you're sort of left floundering a little bit. I think a lot of people are. We need to move past mm-hmm. that. We shouldn't. You know, the way we interact with a person should have nothing to do with. Yeah. You know what we perceive yeah. as in their pants. And you know what? Like, and I think that that, I've always, always tried to treat everyone the same. If I'm liquored up, I will hit on men and women. It does not like I will. I'll flirt with. (laughs) I will flirt with anyone. But and so from that standpoint, that's cool that I treat everyone the same. But 
if you're, I, I don't know why I'm going to, but if you're a man, just at the same time, and you, the girl that you like is treating men and women the same, instantly it's like, oh, you're being friendly with a woman, but you can't be friendly with a man at the same time because it's inappropriate. So when you have, and I've had, like, I've, I've had a couple, like, I've had people over at my house, like, a couple times, and um, if they were non-binary, and did not matter if, if with long hair, cool, because they look like a woman, right? Strictly a woman. Short hair, no, it's inappropriate because they look more like a man. Interesting. So they look at, like, that, you know, they'll say, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever, Unless you look more than, if you look more like one than the other. If you look like a man, but you're non-binary, still, like, a lot of people still view you as a man who's confused. You're a woman who's non-binary, you're a woman that's looking for attention. Right. I guess that's why there's, uh, I I see a lot of posts from non-binary people when uh, they get this sort of sense of euphoria when a person doesn't know how to gender them. Um, They're going, you know, they're trying to put the pieces together going, okay, long hair, woman but beard not woman i i'm so confused yeah. and that's like euphoria for them right like that's um exactly where they want to be they don't yeah. want you to be able to perceive them as a man or a woman because mm-hmm. they're not a man or a woman yeah. i mean i can't i can't imagine what that would feel like i'm i'm somebody that is treated as a woman yeah that's how i'm perceived that's how i identify mm-hmm. um you know, and I, I think that would be such a wonderful thing to have interactions with people and not think, is it because I'm a woman? Are mm-hmm. they acting this way? Mm-hmm. Like to have that taken out of the equation, yeah. um, you know, as difficult as it is for them to get that, I, I mm-hmm. would think, yeah, that euphoria when they do have that interaction, when somebody is stumped, mm-hmm. you know, that must be very powerful. Yeah. I, that, that's I think kind of like how I, my drawing <laughs> for, for anyone who's listening to this and not seeing the video portion long hair on one side and short on the other. And then I just this man in there. <laughs> it's kind of like a Venn diagram to me. Yeah, exactly. It's like, or a bubble, what are the bubble man charts? And then long hair, short hair. I don't know why I felt this is important to show. <laughs> well, sort of on that note of how you're being perceived. I think about when I go to hardware stores and if I just dress in my normal street clothes at a hardware store, I almost immediately get an employee coming up to me going, ma'am, can I help you out? Like, do you need anything? Right. When I go in in my construction clothes, which are left over from um, my previous life, uh, I sometimes people perceive me as a woman, sometimes people perceive me as a man. It doesn't really matter to me too much in that context, but... I find it curious because when they perceive me as a man, they don't offer that help. Right. They mm-hmm. think I'm going to know exactly what I'm doing in a hardware store because that's where I belong. Right. <laughs> but, you said this innate knowledge. Yeah. Right. And it's so funny. Like I, I actually much prefer the interactions I have in hardware stores when people treat me as a woman because I get good customer service. Yeah, that's true. That's pretty true. Mm-hmm. Although uh, on the flip side, I do find occasionally... It's, I'm just like, please, just leave me alone. Yeah, it's oh, true. Yeah. I actually know what I'm here yeah, for. Like, also, the mansplaining is oh, difficult yeah, at yeah. times. That's why I love looking bad in an Uber. Because <laughs> the guys can leave me alone. <laughs> I, mean, I was on my way here today, right? Because I, I knew this was going to be on camera. And I was like, mm, I can't roll out of bed, and, you know? And so I'm on my way here. And this, the, I was, I think I was at um, like where the Kootenai Loop is, like, Skeena and Hastings. Mm-hmm. And there's one guy comes up to me and says, can I have your number? I think you're really cute. And I'm like, damn it. Like, 
kind of just rolled out of bed and just like, if I just rolled out of bed, like no, everyone would leave me alone. Mm-hmm. You know, I almost want like, I almost want people to think that I'm like, have no gender or. And it's just a compliment. It's a compliment. Call, it's just Don't a compliment. It, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't just a compliment because we were getting on the same bus. So it was, I wanted to have conversations the whole time about this boyfriend that I made up on the top of my head because it was the it's, that's a thing. That's like, something men don't have to do. No. no. They don't have to lie and say, like, no, I have a girlfriend. Like, I had to lie and say, like, I had to lie and say, like, I had a boyfriend because I didn't want to have to, like, sit there and justify why I didn't want to take his phone number. It was just, I have a boyfriend, not interested. Like, yeah. lead me to the front of this bus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Like, a man would never have to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, most girls are probably not going to be, like, that that forward either, right? Like, no. it's pretty rare. Like, I'm... Maybe, like, I've been with, like, my group of friends, and I've gone out to one guy that, oh, I think you're super good looking. But I have, like, my friends there. Like, I have my, like, back, right? I've, there's never been a time that I've seen a guy on the street, and I said, oh, hey, by the way, I think you're, like, really good looking. I've seen guys on the street that I thought were really good looking, and we're kind of making eyes at each other, and I wanted to tell them. Like, there's this guy that lives in my building, and I'm moving out of the building in two weeks, and I really want to see him at his car just so I can, like go and tell him so it's so it's done but it's more common for a guy to sit there and say like oh hey like you're cute gonna get your number this and that and if girl says no it's either oh cool i understand or why like what's wrong with me like what's what's so good about you that you don't want my number yeah it seems like there's a confidence that's born out of power dynamics like i have the confidence to go and talk to you because i'm in this position of power Mm -hmm. being the man in the situation yeah so you've explained quite a few examples of like sexism <laughs> that you've personally experienced. Yeah. Do you have some examples yes, that you'd like to share? Yes, share your example. Mine's more of like a millennial example point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like a lot of it is is usual. Like I remember, you know, when I was younger and 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 a teen, um, you know, always sort of having, like you said, like. You always had to analyze the situation. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I can't talk to this person because they have, you know, a girlfriend. Or mm-hmm. I can't talk to this, you know, person because they have a crush on somebody. So there is always yeah. that, that judgment. I think for myself... Stop being friends with so-and-so because I like him now, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's always going to be that. I think for myself, I really um, I didn't, didn't really start to feel it um, overtly until I was... Um, older and sort of around when I had my first child because I was working in television at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was an interesting process to uh, become very largely pregnant on camera mm-hmm. um, that men and women felt this permission to, you know, call in or write in and, and make comments on, yeah. on how my body was changing and how they did not like to see it and, oh. and that it was not something they wanted to be subjected to. Um, and then after I had my, my, my daughter sort of being brought in to um, make sure I'd lost the pregnancy weight, mm-hmm. you know, before mm-hmm. they would think about putting me back on, on TV, um, wow. you know, that was, that was hard. And that, that was sort of a jolt to realize, um, you know, that, that so much of my worth in my career was tied up yeah. in, in how I looked, um, you know, so that was difficult and it was difficult too being a new mom to a daughter and sort of confronting this and realizing like, oh, now I got to 
figure this all out yeah, <laughs> while you I'm raising her. because you want to be a good example for a daughter as well. You right? do, yeah. yeah. And that, there, you know, a lot goes into that. So, yeah, for me, it definitely um, it came up a lot more career-wise. And, and I, I came up, um, you know, in my young 20s working with a lot of successful you know, white men in their 50s that, you know, felt that they were allowed to say anything to me, you know, on and off air. And if you took offense to it, it was like, mm-hmm. I'm just joking. I have a daughter your age. Yeah. It's just like, oh, okay. That doesn't make it better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that that's going to be your humor. Like, yeah. You know, at least if you feel that way, at least say it. So I can call you an ass and like move on with my day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So and it is, it's, it's, I think everybody, I think most women have experienced that those uncomfortable comments that you let go because you know it's going to impact, you know, your work situation mm-hmm. or, you know, or, or wanting to get ahead. So for me, it definitely um, came up a lot more um, career-wise. And, you know, that's, it's sad. That's, yeah. that's how it still is. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, you would expect things like that to get better over time, and then you end up with the Lisa Laflamme situation. I was just going to say, I mean, like, I don't know why it shocked me, but it did, because Mm -hmm. I guess there was a small part of me that thought, well, at least if you get successful enough, you can, you cannot be subjected to Mm -hmm. that. And and to see her, you know, be, be cut down so quickly, um, seemingly because of her age mm-hmm. and not just her age, her audacity to yeah. take control of situations at work and, mm-hmm. and to use her extensive knowledge and, and experience to make decisions that, you know, would impact the newsroom. Like mm-hmm. that was tough, That that it just was very infuriating and, and just made me really sad to know like, Oh, like <laughs> I'm nowhere near that level um, in my career. Yeah. And to know that it would still happen to somebody like her, it's just really disheartening. Yeah. So you think it's, there was also that factor of people feeling threatened by her as a, as a powerful woman? From, yeah. And from what I am hearing, um, that was something that, you know, not just maybe certain management, but also certain, you know, members of the, of the newsroom she was in didn't, didn't like that she was unapologetic about having a very successful career and, mm-hmm. and and because of her career longevity had a lot of knowledge mm-hmm. and, and knew how stories should get covered and didn't feel the need to ask a man's permission or or a man what they thought um, you know the, the direction of a story should be it was her and her female producer who was also incredibly knowledgeable and experienced and the the, the two of them it, it, that just seemed to be too much for a lot of people to take Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I can think of so many, you know, old white guys that are on TV and oh. I can't think of any old no, women that are on it. TV. And, you know, you see um, men that are not traditionally attractive that don't, you know, adhere to that stereotypical, yeah. you know, handsome news anchor. You see Jay Leno. Them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not to call anybody out. But. And, I mean, and that should be the case. You should be able to have a successful yeah. career in any arena. Yeah. Whether you are, you know, I don't even want to say overweight. You're a, you know, a larger size. Yeah. How, you know, how dare you actually go Festively bigger yeah. Yeah. than you once were or lose yeah. your hair. Well, and, yeah. and look, if you look at, like, Kirstie Alley, for example, right? She yeah. did so much film until she put on weight, and then yeah. the only thing you ever saw her in was Jenny Craig commercials. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I never really saw her in anything after that. 
right? I remember growing up and I had no idea who she was. And my mom would be like, oh, that's so sad. Like, look how much weight she's put on. And I was like 10. So I had no idea who that was, right? But that's like, that was the thing back then. It wasn't just like, you know, unless you were Queen Lativa and you put on weight, it was like this taboo thing, Yeah. you know? And it's like, uh, how much, how much film did she miss out on actually getting to do because she put on weight yeah. or because she got older and put on weight yeah. and it's interesting mm-hmm. like you said your mom saying well that's so sad like I, think yeah. I grew up um my mom is probably on a diet my entire life yeah my mom was very health conscious too yeah had been told that she was too big yeah and that she should try and stay you know yeah. more slim yeah my mom owns like my mom owns the weight stuff now like she's so proud of me like watching how I like present myself yeah. with my like thickness she's like she's she's really proud and she even says that and this is a big deal because you know her she even says that I'm starting to be her like role model in terms of that stuff that's cool I know mm-hmm. <laughs> she's so proud and you know I, I think it I think it sometimes it takes actually being put in that position yourself mm-hmm. to like say like okay like my view is going to change now of like how I'm seeing other people or how I think society should be should be seeing other people because it's I'm changing the way that I see myself mm. you know I've also noticed a huge shift in how my mom approaches weight um it seems like I don't know maybe there's you know this education that happened in the last decade or so mm-hmm. but um I grew up as a cross-country skier and I was very fit for most of my life so the moment I started gaining any weight tons of people commented on it and it wasn't even that I've ever been sort of large per se but just a few extra pounds and suddenly I was getting comments constantly about it and then becoming really insecure and I've noticed that it's been many years since my mom's even commented on my weight at all and I think part of that is just recognizing that it it doesn't help to comment on someone's weight like you're not going to encourage them it's to lose gonna weight you're just gonna make them feel crap. bad like for mm-hmm. me if I have like I mean I like I can't I can't say like I'd love to be a bigger person and say that this hasn't been affecting me lately but like I can't say like I've just you know I've just lost 60 pounds you know in the last six months so I'm like I'm really like really proud of myself in terms of that I'm not minding all of the like comments of people I grew up with message me saying hey you look so good like right. can I can I take you out you know I'm not minding when I walk in my mom's saying hey skinny girl you know like I don't I don't I don't mind any of that it sucks that other people's opinions of me are making me feel better but um it's like it's like it's it's a double-edged sword mm-hmm. it is so you know you want people to comment on when you look good but you don't want them to comment when you look bad yeah well I've also had instances where I've been like yes I've lost like 20 pounds and That's I'm in for, really good shape first thing I said to you today was yeah. like look how good I look but I'll yeah. also get people when I've said things like that and they'll go really yeah like, yeah well, I hate okay, it. great. Why, why, you know, why do I even bother? I know. It's like, I was like, so how do I, like, I've lost 30 pounds, but I'm like, I can't really tell. I'm like, can you not lie? Just say I look great. Yeah, exactly. Wow, you look so, so like, Alyssa has it down. It's my best friend. She has it down all the time. You know, my brother was trained from like 10 on. Who's the thinnest, most beautiful? And it so sucks that I have to say the word thin, like, you know, but... When you grow up heavy, you it's, it becomes a compliment word when you, like, you know, you look smaller. But my brother all the time, like, who's the most thinnest, supermodelist looking girl in the world? You. And I'm like, that's right. <laughs> and this is when I'm, like, hitting, like, this is when I was, like, over 300 pounds of just, like, depression weight coming on, you know. And he still, he was, like, this constant reminder that I was, in his eyes, you know, supermodel. 
Mm-hmm. I miss him. He needs to move back. <laughs> <laughs> I went to parent-teacher conferences for him on the East Coast, so you should come back and tell me I look good. <laughs> I think that's important, though, like the family thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, like, I think you would honestly have to put a gun to my head before I would make a comment on my daughter's um, size mm. of any or any shape or yeah. you know, what she's wearing, and I don't step in often when my son and my daughter are having fights unless it's like physical but yeah you know if he who know, wins uh, when the physical really she would <laughs> yeah. there's a four-year age difference <laughs> but you know what? i feel like that's always good when there's an older when that when it's the female that's older because you always you want to be like you always want your brother and his friends to be like a little bit afraid of you you know <laughs> Switches those power dynamics. Yeah, switch the power dynamics over. Yeah, get it when you can. Yeah, nope. Like, Mm. do not say that. Like, you can say a lot of insults. Of be creative, have at her, but like that. Don't come up. Don't body shame. That is not something that you do. Mm -hmm. Don't ever say that. Um, I think you keep the appearance out of it too. And normally, if somebody is going to come at you for your appearance, it's usually because they feel insecure about their own. Well, right. Mm -hmm. It's like that's what would hurt them, so that's what they're going to throw at you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Like the amount of times I've been called like a fat bitch it's like okay I am a bitch and I am fat what's your point like what else you got you know it's mm-hmm. like so do you feel like do you think that you're a bitch and do you are you insecure with your appearance because that's all I'm getting when somebody comes at me that way you know mm-hmm. you've got that power in just owning it basically. yeah like sure I still look good you know my what I look on how I look on the outside doesn't define who I am on the inside you know I don't know how many times I've heard from guys like, you know, normally I'm attracted to girls who are thinner, but I find you so attractive because the way that you carry yourself. Fan freaking tastic. I love, that's my favorite compliment. You can call me like a blimp and still tell me that. And I'll, it's the best thing I've ever heard because I want to be judged for my person, not my gender, not my weight. You know, I think not giving people the power to be able to affect you is powerful in and of itself yeah. like and that's hard. people used to call me weird all the time growing you up and at some weird. I am <laughs> I am weird and weird I just amazing. there was a point weird where I started saying thank you yeah. anytime someone said you're yeah. weird I would just say thank you yeah. and they didn't know what to do with it about nothing, right? then. it's no longer an insult I know it's true when you do you sort of those things that um you know people will pick on like if you just decide that that's okay and I think that you know especially like I think men have a hard time with that like they have a hard time when you take away you know if they call you a slut or they call you fat or they call you you know unsexy how terrible is that like if you're just like great yeah don't care you should call yourself a fat slut in front of a guy like one day see a guy i'm such a fat slut (laughs) and i just won't know what to say (laughs) they'll be like of course not until they're pissed off you but then they then can they call you up because you've already called it yourself like you've taken it away from them you're taking away you're taking the power away yeah damn Mm -hmm. i'm such a fat slut today like (laughs) (laughs) you sure with that (laughs) okay so just to shift directions completely (laughs) why does the wage cap still exist Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't like it doesn't here. No, but like no, the, my my wage was established by what's that expression? Nepotism. <laughs> <laughs> that was like my. I mean, my mom said that too. She's like, I don't even know what sexism is because you know, like she she got the company from her mom. You right. know, my, my she was saying was, she grew up in a matriarch. Was, yeah, my grandma right. was the businesswoman, right? But let's let's call a spade a spade. We both got to where we were because of nepotism. 
No offense, mom, I love you, but you know. <laughs> this would be the one podcast she watches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know why it still exists. It should, like, we all, it's, yeah. it's not like it's a dirty secret. We all know about it, men mm-hmm. and women. And I suppose, like, I think one thing that I, I said to my husband once that kind of, you know, shocked him is we were sort of talking about it. And I was like, you do realize you would have to give up some of your money mm. to to help pay for a, a woman to get an equal wages. Yeah, I think that's where they're out. Mm-hmm. Is alimony based off of gender? Is it based off of how much money you make? Um, like if one person makes more money than the other person? Right? I think it's usually based off of who makes the most money, okay. which nine times out of ten is is, is quite often the man. Yeah, not in my mm-hmm. family. Even but, my dad's yeah. side of the family, my stepmom <laughs> is... She's what's I can, she wears the pants. I hate yes. that expression. <laughs> but she but this is we're talking about sexism. So my step my stepmom wears the pants. My dad she would be lost without my dad. He you know he is the greatest housewife. But you know she 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 wears the pants. She makes the most money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was a time when women couldn't wear pants. Right. No, or make more they money. couldn't. Yeah. I saw Greece too. You weren't allowed to wear pants at school. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I think that's hard. Like, it's not a, it's not enough for men to say, like, you're right, this is mm. wrong. They actually will have to take a little bit of a hit. And, and until they're willing to do that, I don't think we're going to see that massive shift. Mm-hmm. And, and that, it's hard to give up power. Yeah. Yep. It really is uh, in any sense. So, you know, I think that's, that's, that's a sticking point mm-hmm. that a lot of men who consider themselves allies don't realize that they, they will they're allies to a up. certain extent you know they're allies as long as they don't have to do anything differently yeah, you know sometimes it's like it's like you like i'm i give you the power to do whatever you want just as long as it doesn't it doesn't involve me like losing any of mine you yeah. know yeah. when you're in a position of privilege um equality feels like oppression mm-hmm. right? absolutely that's kind of the the mentality there but i think one of the things that really holds us back from addressing the wage gap because technically you're not allowed to pay women less than men. No, no, it's illegal. So, yeah. you know, there, it shouldn't also exist. You're not allowed to not hire somebody based off of their, like, their appearance either. Right. But, so all these things happen. Yeah. And I think a big problem is a lack of transparency. Like, if everyone knew what each other's wages was, exactly. you wouldn't be able to get away with that. No, and, it's, and it is. It's still deemed as sort of tacky and taboo. Like, I probably would never, you know, go to a, a colleague and be like, sorry. Mm-hmm. I can kind of guess, yeah. you know, depending on, you know, we're in a union and, and we have different pay levels. Like, yeah. I can kind of guess, but there's always wiggle room. I would much rather somebody ask me how much I made than how much, ask me how much I weighed last week, you know? Mm. Yeah. I will just offer up how much I make because I, think, I believe yeah. in that I think I, I think I asked you one day, like, I was explaining, I was talking to one of my friends, I was explaining like the what, the kinds of questions that are inappropriate to ask somebody who's transitioned. Mm. And I'm like, you don't go and ask them what they had changed. And I even said to you, I'm like, I had said to you, I was like, apparently like you don't ask it. It's almost like asking how much, asking how much like somebody made. You're like, well, I would so much rather somebody ask me how much I made last year than <laughs> ask me what part of my body I changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I will not talk. And you told me what you made last year. Yeah, like I, I will not talk about surgeries I may or may not have had because yeah. I think it invalidates other trans people. Yeah. It, you know, I don't think, I don't actually think that because I think people should be able to, you know, should be free to talk about it But it's your regardless, business, but right? Like, if yeah. I have my appendix removed, I'm not going to walk around showing people the scar if I'm not comfortable. Like, I think it's not really the same thing, but... Yeah, I just think the problem is, like, you're no more or less of... A woman if you've had or haven't had surgery in my mind mm-hmm. so if I'm going to say like I've had these surgeries 
or haven't had these surgeries, to me, it, it's, it's almost like I'm trying to say I'm, you know, more of a woman because of X, Y, Z. And I don't believe in that. Yeah. So I just don't do it. But when it comes to wages, I think it's really good to, to have that transparency and to go, wait a second, why is my coworker making double what I'm making for doing the same job? This doesn't make sense. It happens all the time uh, with actors, right? We yeah. find out that a movie was filmed and the men are making so much yeah. more money, right? There's shame too, because I think for some women to, to say it out loud, to admit it, um, to admit that you have allowed yourself to be devalued is difficult. Mm-hmm. It's a difficult conversation to have with yourself and, yeah. and to realize that you are still playing a part in, in this setup, um, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. in society. So I think there, yeah, there's that, yeah. there is, there needs to be more transparency, but also people need to be, yeah. feel more comfortable no. being transparent. Oh, 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 sorry. I just remembered something. I was seeing a guy also a year ago before the other guy. And we only saw each other about three weeks. I think I told you about him. It was this guy named Justin. He was... He doesn't live here anymore. He lives in Ireland. You can include the name. He lives in Ireland anymore. He's not here. <laughs> okay. He, he moved to Ireland to be with his new girlfriend. He does things like that. <laughs> but I, so I lost, when I left this job here, I lost, I took my work email off. All my contacts went away. Right. So I've been like, I don't delete text messages since I got my phone. And I got my phone in 2020. So I'm going to like the bottom and I'm finding these conversations I'm having with these people. I have no idea who they are. It's so entertaining. So I texted saying like, hey, who are you? <laughs> like, I just read these messages. I have this, this girl, and I can probably look up the messages that he's now with, his wife. Actually, I am going to look up messages. <laughs> this is great no, podcast content. <laughs> this is great podcast content. This is what I ended up saying. Like, this is what I ended up saying to her, essentially, because I just was in disbelief how much she was just coming after my parents. And stuff. What she said was, delete my husband's number. Keep it that way. He's trying to remove you from his memory. Like, all of this stuff. She was just going, like, so below the belt with a lot of things that she was saying. Um, you're the biggest mistake of his life. Uh, he didn't, didn't he sneak out and come back? You weren't an ex-girlfriend. You were a drunken mistake. A lot of stuff about my womanly areas a lot of just inappropriate things this is this is this is what i my kind of this is a long time a lot of messages would take a lot of time this is what i said back i said it doesn't matter how many times you insult my appearance or my body or my hygiene on the service it might make you feel more attractive and confident from on the outside looking and it's just really sad because women who are confident in themselves and their lives and their relationships don't try to tear down other women just for being in a, just for being in an insignificant relationship with their spouse. Uh, it was a three week thing. <laughs> That's all it was. My self confidence made Justin feel insecure because Justin is insecure. Unfortunately, he found somebody more insecure than he is. Shame. That was my response. It was a fairly well measured response Thank given the situation. You. Yeah, it's like she could have said, "Oh, hey, girl, like this is Justin, like." Now that you know, if she didn't want me talking talking to her husband, we broke up a year ago. Three will break up, broke up a year ago. Apparently he's married in Ireland now. <laughs> All right. Insecure Justin from Ireland. He's been called out. <laughs> you know, but that's the, that's the thing. Is it's like, why, like, like when women come after other women, it's usually, I think it's, they're probably feeling pretty insecure. Yeah. Either that or they don't trust themselves. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they think that, that they think other women are going to go do with their man what the, they would do with other women's men. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think it, a projection. Lot of it is. It's projection, yeah. Yeah, projection. But um, I mean, I know when I have been on the offense, and that is the first thing you think like, what could I do to hurt you and mm. to tear you down is the thing that, you know, would hurt me the most. Like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. just come after somebody's appearance. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's sad, but. As long as you, at the end, as long as like, at like for, as people, this isn't even a woman thing. This isn't, like, this isn't even like a gender versus gender thing. I think at the end of the day, like as long as you like, as long as you pinpoint the things within yourself that you love about yourself, as long as you acknowledge that you're like, that, that you like, that you are loved, that you love yourself, that you're a great person. Everything else is just like white noise that can just be tuned out. Mm-hmm. You know, I listen to white noise when I'm sleeping. When I sleep, it's like out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Self-love is definitely one of those, um, I guess catchphrases that people use all the time, but it's also something that has really helped me be more confident yeah. and, and not let the criticisms or the transphobia in particular that I face affect me because yeah. I'm just confident in who I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been researching family dynamics for a while as a parenting columnist. Have you, or what have you noticed about how sexism impacts families? Um, overwhelmingly, even prior to the pandemic, but especially throughout the pandemic, as women are expected to pull up, perform, um, take on more duties, um, give up parts of themselves mm-hmm. um, in ways that fathers are never asked to do um, in the family themselves, uh, in their work environments, in their you know larger family dynamic. Um, I hear from so many moms that just feel like they are called on to do more and more um, while receiving less and less. Um, and it's it's hard because um, as a mom, to hear that constantly and, and also realize that within my family, I have also been expected to do that, um, it's discouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it is, it's discouraging to know so many other mothers are at that point of feeling just a bit broken. That no matter what they do, it's still not enough. Um, and that they, they are still expected to excel in so many different areas of their life. So it's almost like we have got the progress piece where women can now go out and get jobs yeah. and, uh, and be sort of more independent in that sense. Yeah. But at the same time, are still expected to fulfill those sort of 1950s housewife Absolutely. roles. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and that there is, there's, you know, shame from, from other mothers. Um, you know, if you say, oh, well, you know, screw it. I, I hired a housekeeper or I, I rely on a nanny for my, for my newborn. There's always that judgment from, from other mothers because we are, we, we, we expect, we're expected, I think, to, to, to take on so much and to do so well, but we also expect it out of ourselves. Like we, we don't want to admit that we're failing in any way. Mm-hmm. And so, um, is that, do you think because of how women are raised, like it's I, left over from that time period? I think there period? is a bit of that. Like I know, um, uh, my mom has passed away, but my mom was a very, um, traditional wife. Um, and so my, you know, my dad never cooked, he never cleaned, he never, did any of those, you know, domestic duties. And my mom, she had 
two daughters, so we were we were taught that this mm-hmm. was what we must do. And she was very uncomfortable, um, you know, with the mere suggestion that I, I would get my husband to do laundry or that my, you know, husband would be left a meal to heat up because I was working late. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, I think you do, there is definitely a, a holdover from that. And it's just that whole sort of superwoman notion that we somehow have said, you know, women are so great, you know, yeah, we're great. We can do a lot. We shouldn't have to do it. Though. Yeah. Just because somebody can do something, women are incredible at, you know, multitasking yeah. and, and taking care and, 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 and being nurturing yeah. and having a bunch of, you know, plates spinning at once. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean you should have to. Do. Um, but yeah, I would say that, uh, that that has been the biggest one is realizing that, that moms in particular are still feeling so much pressure and, and have so much expectation put on them. Mm-hmm. And I feel that. Yeah, well, it's too bad that that's still the case. And I guess we just have to keep plugging away at, at uh, creating change to make it yeah. better for every generation change, afterwards. Change within yourself and your own life. It's like, it's such, such a it's great true. start. I have yeah. a hard time like admitting that I can't do something yeah. or, or delegating. Um, so I think, you know, my biggest role is to just try to yeah. make sure my children yeah. are, you know, yeah. equally lazy yeah. or, you know, that, <laughs> it's you know, that they both learn how to do laundry. That yeah. They both, that they, that they are all playing mm-hmm. because I, I'm uncomfortable sometimes with just by the nature of, you know, the hours that my husband and I work, I am tasked. I am the one that does the majority of the cooking and the cleaning um, because I'm home um, yeah. earlier from work. And I'm cognizant of the fact that that is far more, of traditional but, setup yeah. that I at like, least that's have. the reason why though and not like you know oh he makes more money so you're expected to do right. this is right like mm-hmm. I think if tables had turned you know and you were probably out with he'd probably do a lot of it you yeah. know my dad does all of it because my dad complains when people don't help and then doesn't want you to you know <laughs> <laughs> different reasonings here no, yeah. we do it wrong you know gosh forbid I like don't unfold my pants properly when I when he does my laundry when I when his 29 year old daughter comes over and he does all of her laundry which is why I do it because he picks it up <laughs> drops it off folds it nice it's like it's like four dollars a load in my apartment building okay that that adds up you're getting good value out of your dad then. Yeah. I think it's also, it's from like, from me in a career standpoint, you know, like I am in between, like, I'm just sort of taking a break from working right now. I'm just trying to focus on like mental health because the way I see it as like, if you feel like your brain needs work, it's almost like you're, it's, it's almost like when you want to diet for your body, I'm kind of on a diet for my mind right now. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot easier for me to like apply things that I want changed to my life when I don't work versus a job like yours where like in the business that you're in, you just can't, can't help but have like the gender bias. Yeah. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. you're like, you have a lot more of a public platform than me who sleeps until 11 o'clock and that's all. That's my life right now. <laughs> Plus EI and sits in my parents' hot tub and Yeah. <laughs> So I think it's time now for me to ask you both the unanswerable question. Oh, okay. How do we dismantle sexism? <laughs> well, have I met a few? So I'm just thinking we try to end each episode with sort of some parting words, what the listeners can maybe do in their own lives to make the world a better place. Don't um, judge women for being women. 
That was meant to be a question. That was meant to be an answer. That wasn't literal. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's so much easier said than done. I think it's... it's um, Something that's really good to strive for, though. It is. It's great to strive for. But I think that it's like, like I said, this is a tree. <laughs> it's a tree. You can't just not judge. Like, you can't just like, I think that there's so many like underlying things that mm-hmm. come out of it. You I know? I had this uh, come up in one of the podcasts. It might have been the um, uh, one of, I think it was one of our podcasts on finances mm-hmm. where I said that we will probably never live in an equitable world, um, you know, is it possible for humans to arrange ourselves in a way that's completely equitable? Probably not. Does that mean we shouldn't be striving for it? Of course not. Like we always need to be working towards making our society more equitable. So, you know, what are, what are some steps you think that maybe we can take to achieve that? Um, you know, placing worth on things other than who we are physically. Um, you know, I think, I'd rather be, I'd rather be put, you know, more, more stock in somebody's kindness and humor and intelligence than mm. who they were born as. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think for myself, it's just constantly challenging, you know, myself and the way I act and, and wondering if, you know, am I doing this because it's something I want or is it something I feel I have to do as a woman? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sort of dismantling that inside myself, while at the same time um, being in that you know unique and privileged position of of having um, a child that is female and, mm-hmm. and one that is male, and they both identify with that. Being able to to raise them as um, not equally, but like, as we said, like I'm always going to have to give my daughter, you know, I have to tell my daughter different things when she leaves the house than I have yeah. to tell my son. But making sure they both go out into the world, um, watching out for themselves and for other people, I think that's, we can sort of just continue to have this idea that we need to just watch out for each other, mm-hmm. that that's how we might start to see some change. Yeah. Not just, you know, with sexism or violence or, or anything, just... Yeah, I think we just need to keep pushing. Um, you know, the younger generations kind of consider the older generations a lost cause. I don't, <laughs> I don't put my, I don't put a lot of energy um, into trying to change people. Like, say, my dad. Yeah. I'm going to put my energy into, into like my oh, children yeah. and, right. and, and somebody younger than myself because I know they will have a greater impact as, as they grow on. Mm-hmm. You're not trying to teach an old dog new tricks. Give up on that a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else that either of you wanted to add to the discussion before we wrap this up? Yeah, sure. So with, um, with what you, what you just asked, I think, uh, a couple of things that I would try to keep in my mind is if I feel like this is, and you know that this is such a passionate subject for me, right? Don't waver on it. Like, don't just say I've had enough, like of this battle on my own. Like, I'm just going to like do whatever, just tell everyone what they want to hear. Cause I feel like that's actually going to, you know, backtrack the effort um also what I what I try to always try to keep in mind is I don't have any children right but one thing I always try to keep in mind is if I had a daughter and I was watching her get treated the way that I've been treated by guys is that something that I would be okay with Mm -hmm. right and it's like if I'm like if I'm experiencing like a lot of gender bias what would I tell my kid like what 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 would I want her like what what I want if I'm like 
up here looking down on, at what she's experiencing, what's something that I would want her to know, and then just try to tell that to myself. Yeah. So be the yeah. person that you needed when you yeah. were a kid, basically. And, I, and I've told that to my mom, you know, with her and her, you know, like with her, with her, her relationships and their dynamics. I said, like, and she, when she asked me my opinion, I'm like, well, I can't, I can't give you my opinion, but all I can ask you is what if this were me and you were watching me? Like, would you be okay with it? She would start crying. She's very emotional. <laughs> Such a woman. Such a woman. <laughs> um, it's this fun, funny thing now that like, I'll say something. And she'll go, oh, I'm like, oh, are you going to cry? And she's like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I just try to say, like, is this something that you would be okay with watching me go through? And she's like, absolutely not. Yeah. And I'm like, well, there's your answer. No, and that's mm-hmm. very true. And it's, it's, it's better true. than me saying what, what you're doing is wrong or what guys are doing is wrong. Because I'm like, I'm not, I'm not God. I'm not... I'm not a sensei. I'm nothing like that. All I know is like what bothers me and like things that like I feel strongly about, and, you know, that's all I can do is stand by that. Not, it's, I'm, it's not my, it's not, I'm not entitled at all to be able to decide whether other people are doing something wrong or not, mm-hmm. you know, but it's, if something's bothering you or you don't like how something is, even if you can't change it, you can own it like you can own your issue with it mm. and make sure that that doesn't change be the change you want to see in the world yeah, yeah. Have mm-hmm. difficult conversations. I think that's the most important mm-hmm. we just need to continually have keep keep that these difficult line, conversations yeah. yeah because it's not to know that this is a society we're living in but that yeah. it has so many issues yeah but we can't turn a blind eye to them so yeah, yeah. And, and do it in a way that it doesn't sound like you're attacking somebody else because for me, like, if I feel like my issue is I feel like being, I'm being strong-handed or, like, I feel this aggressive behavior towards from, from men about certain things, why am I then going to go and take their aggressive behavior and bring it back to them? That's fighting fire with fire. Mm-hmm. If anything, I would like to find a nice lake and just fill the fire. Mm-hmm. And then give us a year of work off with... Full pay. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? That <laughs> well, with that, thank you both for having these Yay. difficult conversations. Thank you for um, us. Yeah, it was Pleasure. it was great uh, being able to talk about sexism with both of you. Mm-hmm. I think you had some really interesting perspectives. I learned I learned a lot from like a different like from Same. a different generation of viewpoint because I don't like I haven't worked. Like I haven't, I've not been ever been a career woman. I don't have kids, you know, I'm not married. So it was actually cool getting to learn from you too. Mm-hmm. From like, from the whole it's transition. I never know how to aren't like say, me. you know, that. Mm-hmm. It it's important. That's it too. Like talk to people that have a different experience yeah. than mm-hmm. yourself. Don't just surround yourself with people with who have yourself. the same opinion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to have the same opinion. And then what, what, turns into a good opportunity to like to create change just turns into a bitch sesh yeah Yeah, well I appreciate that you're both coming from these different Mm -hmm. perspectives and that's kind of the goal of the podcast is we have two guests who have two different perspectives and we get to explore it from from both of those perspectives yeah from the filthy see you next Tuesdays (laughs) (laughs) and with that yeah thank you for joining us on a social justice podcast A Social Justice podcast is based off of a social justice coloring book, and we explore different social justice issues every two weeks. Thank you for joining us on this episode, and I look forward to chatting with you in the next one. You've been listening to a Social Justice podcast hosted by Nicholas Sperling, brought to you by The Flag Shop, and inspired by a Social Justice coloring book.